Welcome into another episode of Sports with Sema. I'm Chris Emma, and on this week's podcast, we speak with MLB insider John Heyman of MLB Network and My Odyssey Sports Network. We talk baseball, of course, looking at the White Sox and their run towards October, whether this team has enough to win the World Series, what Tony Larusa has done leading the team, and whether Tim Anderson can emerge as one of those faces of the game. And then also we talk about the Cubs. A tough transition, of course, but looking towards this offseason for the North Signers, whether they're going to be ready to spend, uh, what kind of offseason it'll be for Jed Hoyer, and of course from Tom Ricketts' paychecks. Uh, what are they going to be doing, and how aggressive will the Cubs be? Uh, it was a fun conversation with John Heyman. And then we shift gears to football, and I had a conversation with Bears receiver Demir Bird, a five-year NFL veteran, going into his sixth season. A guy who's played his career with the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Patriots, and now in Chicago. And I enjoyed talking with him. This is something I want to do a little bit more on the podcast, some Bears conversations I'd like to share with you. It wasn't a long conversation, but I wanted to talk with Demir about what the Bears have accomplished so far in camp. Uh, and, of course, the quarterback situation, how Andy Dalton has fared from his perspective, what Justin Fields brings to the table, and his impression of him. Uh, I enjoyed talking with Demir Bird. I'm looking forward to some more Bears conversations and making that more of a part of this podcast. So I hope you enjoy the interviews. Before we get to them, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Drop this podcast five stars, four stars for your honest feedback. Uh, I'd really appreciate that. It's the end of August now, getting towards September and the crunch time of this baseball season, heading towards kickoff of the football season. I'm really excited for what's ahead for this podcast. A lot more to come. Um, so let's get right to it. Here's John Heyman and Demir Bird. This is Sports with Semma. Here's Chris Emma. Joined now by John Heyman of MLB Network and Odyssey Sports, uh, here to talk some baseball with me. John, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing great. And, you know, we're getting to that point now toward the end of August, heading toward the crunch time in this season. And the White Sox are playing some good ball. Not, not so much in the last several weeks, kind of a little up and down for them, but 18 over 500 speaks for itself. Uh, I want your perspective from the national side. What's the national perception of these White Sox? Well, I think they're a really good team. Obviously, they've run away with that division. They had it wrapped up basically, I would say, six weeks ago or more than that. So uh, that's pretty good. I mean, uh, obviously, Cleveland conceded trading their second baseman, Cesar Hernandez, to the White Sox. That was all she wrote at that point. Um, you know, they're a really good pitching team. I mean, it's quite a luxury to have Lance Lynn as started as your number three starter and Carlos Rodon as your number five starter. I think he's going to be back soon and be okay. Um, you know, they're deep pitchers. They've got uh, one through five. They're as good as anybody in the American League on the rotation. And in the bullpen, that eight, nine should be the best in the league. Obviously, Kimbrell has struggled a bit since coming over from the Cubs. But overall, I think they're pitching is the best in the league and uh, their hitting is uh, plenty good enough. Um, I think the league is wide open though. I don't see a real favorite. Um, I think Houston's good. Tampa's good. Yankees are obviously good and the White Sox are good. So um, anybody can win the American league of the, of that group anyway. Yeah. A lot's been made about the Sox kind of dwindling against top talented teams. You know, the Yankees are in Toronto this week, kind of, up and down performances against some of the best teams in the AL. You put much stock into that right now in August or those games in June and July where you're going up against these first place teams? No, I mean, you know, I think they've had the division wrapped up. So you, you probably lose a little bit of urgency when you in that kind of situation. I wouldn't read much into it at all. I mean, 
you know, if you're them, maybe you uh, thinking about it a little bit, but I, I, I think generally uh, it's best not to worry about it. Uh, you know, you need to take care of business against the other teams too. Uh, you know, on any given day. I mean, obviously there are this year, there are five or six teams that are really non-competitive, but um, you know, in their division, uh, even Kansas city, look, Kansas city is, I think 18 and 13 against first place teams. Um, Detroit's better than expected. I mean, Cleveland obviously has pitching. So, um, you know, uh, unless you're playing Baltimore or Arizona, you gotta be on your toes and, uh, you know, I think it's good that they have an overall record of uh, 18 games up. You know, I, I wasn't a fan of the Tony LaRusa hire, and I was not in the minority by any stretch here in Chicago. Many people were caught off guard by it. My thought was that it was just it was too odd for a team that was set to contend. And I've kind of changed my tune in the last couple months. What are your impressions of what LaRusa has brought to this team and what kind of credit does he deserve for it? Well, he's in first place. So, I mean, he's certainly doing a fine job. I mean, he's a, he's a hall of fame manager. He knows baseball in and out. Uh, he was uh, out of the pack on the analytics, really, even if they didn't call it that 30 years ago. Um, he's certainly very innovative and a uh, very bright guy. That said, I, I was with you. I really didn't think it was the right hire at the right time. Um, but you know what? He has been to what he's won three world series. I think he's been to six. Uh, he's certainly got experience. Um, you know, he's had some funny moments, uh, uh ripping the Urminator. He had a moment <laughs> with, uh, Kimbrel, uh, and then, uh, yesterday, uh, yelling at uh, poor Sebi, uh, after the hit by Vladdy, uh, you know, he's a competitive guy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's added up for him to uh, a lot of victories in his career though. So it's uh, hard to criticize too much. I like seeing that too. You mentioned the fiery side started to come out. I feel like it's just the proximity to October. That's starting to reveal itself for him. Um, I, I don't know if you get into the face of baseball talk. It kind of gets over the top in a lot of ways, but when it comes to Tim Anderson, I mean, I think you have to consider him as one of those faces of baseball. I, there doesn't have to be one, obviously there's so many bright stars in this game, but how does Anderson stack up in terms of marketable appeal compared to, you know, Tatis and Trout and some of these top guys out there? Yeah. I mean, he's very uh, marketable, very personable, uh, you know, terrific player, uh, both ways, a very good shortstop, uh, got speed, got some power, obviously a terrific hitter. Um, he's an excellent all round player. You know, I don't know if there's one face of baseball, you know, if there is, it's probably trout or maybe at the moment, at least Otani, maybe Tatis, you know, uh, you know, I would say at this point, he's probably a little behind a group of guys in that probably second tier of great players. But, uh, you know, don't want to diminish what he's done. He's a terrific, terrific player. But right now there's a group of really spectacular superstar type players. And I put Acuna in there. I put Soto in there. Uh, Trout, as you mentioned, Tatis, Otani, uh, you know, maybe a half dozen to 10 guys and uh you know, I think he's probably in the next group, but in terms of uh, personality and appeal, uh, he is right near the top. No doubt. Uh, how do you see the Sox stacking up in October? I mean, obviously, they got, you mentioned the pitching depth earlier. That lineup is loaded. You feel like they have to have a pretty good shot to make a run, but you said it earlier, the AL is wide open. Like, how, how do the Sox stack up? Yeah, it's very unpredictable. I thought they'd win last year in the first round and looked like they had it for a while. Um, it's difficult to know, but uh, I do like the fact that uh, their, their pitching is very good. Uh, they have a 
great eighth and ninth inning guys, assuming that Kimbrell gets straightened out here. Um, of course, they need Rodon to be healthy. It appears that he is. We think he's penciled in to start Thursday, and hopefully he does. Um, you've got Lynn at top of the rotation right now, moving from number three. So that's a good number one starter. I think either he or Cole will probably be the Cy Young winner. And, um, you know, they've got good pitching depth. And obviously, Abreu is an RBI machine. You've got Anderson, Jimenez, and Robert. Um, you know, I, I think on paper, they look really good. Um, Tampa's hard to predict. You know, I, it's hard for me to say uh, that Tampa's going to be ousted because every time I do, I turn around and they're winning more games. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston, obviously, has a very uh, good lineup. Gets even better once uh, Bregman comes back soon. Yankees are really on a roll right now. I mean, Oakland's got some very good positives as well. But, you know, I, 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 I'd be hard-pressed to say anybody's really better than the White Sox in the American League, so I could see them easily coming out of the American League. I do think I do think that the top two teams in the National League, I think the Dodgers and the Giants, have proven they're the best teams to this point. Yeah, uh, I think I'm with you on that one. Uh, I hate to shift gears from the Sox to the Cubs, but <laughs> you got to talk some Cubs. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, I, I feel they did what they had to do with tra- the trade-off last month and getting rid of guys on expiring contracts from a team that wasn't contending. It makes sense, but uh, you've done extensive and excellent reporting on this over the last several years with the guys like Brian Baez Rizzo and their respective contract pursuits. Were the Cubs close to re-signing any of those core players at any point? Well, I, I think that they had made some inroads with uh, Baez before the uh, pandemic came in the spring of two, 2020. Um, I think they were talking about somewhere in the range of $150 million. I don't know that that was going to get it done. I don't know that was the exact figure. Um, it did seem like they were talking and there was some, I don't want to say traction, but there was at least a discussion that was going possibly somewhere wasn't like Brian several years earlier had been offered the 200 million. He didn't counter and they kind of, that kind of fell by the wayside. They kind of understood that he was going to be a free agent and that was it. And then of course we know Rizzo was offered somewhere around 70 million. Might've been a little bit more, might've been close to 80 million. Um, didn't work out. Rizzo obviously had uh, uh, been a bargain in his first contract. And uh, you know, I get him wanting to get absolute market value. I don't, I think the Cubs made really unreasonable offers. I mean, as we see here now with all guys, all three free agents, you know, I, I kind of think that the Bryant will beat the 200 million. Um, but again, that was offered several years ago. Um, I, I think that Rizzo will beat the 70 million, but I don't know by how much. And uh, Baez, I don't know. I mean, Baez could get uh, over 200 million or he could get under 100 million. He's a, it's a wild card because uh, of the walk strikeout uh, situation with him. He's obviously very talented. Uh, nobody tags guys better and nobody avoids the tag. But a very exciting player. It's home runs. Um, probably brings out some fans and, and certainly some excitement. But, uh, you know, in that shortstop class, he's uh, at this point behind Seeger. Uh, story in Korea, I would say at least. And, uh, you know, I mean, Simeon has had a fantastic season. He's a little bit older, but he's had a fantastic season. We'll see what happens with him. But, um, you know, I think the pandemic interrupted those discussions, though. I don't think Bias has anything to regret because I think they ended uh, before uh, they could could possibly finish those those discussions. 
so now the Cubs got those, the contracts are off the books, obviously, and set to expire. Your, your books are wide open at this point, and you got the prospect influx coming over the next few years. It, it seems, at least from, from my perspective, like the Cubs are in a position where tons of business operations around the ballpark and in the ballpark, they have to be relevant. They have to be trying to focus on winning. Uh, what, what kind of money do you see them spending this offseason and next offseason to kind of get back and build around this core of young players? Well, I, I certainly hope that they invest. I mean, you know, I couldn't tell you exactly what they're going to spend because, uh, you know, for a team with big revenue, big market, uh, you know, they didn't sign any of the three guys. Maybe they felt that they offered fair prices and they just didn't accept them and they moved on. But they they do seem a little bit more focused on the bottom line, than certainly the Dodgers and some other big market teams. So it's a bit of a worry to see exactly what they're going to do, I think, uh, probably next year it's going to be difficult to go from where they are, which is really non-competitive, uh, to a contender. So, you know, are they going to dive in and sign one of the big, biggest players? I, I don't know. Um, you know, that might be, um, might be uh, unusual. Uh, I do hope that they do sign enough good players to become competitive. We had too many teams this year that if they weren't tanking, they played like they were tanking, and that's a shame for the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one guy you, you talked about earlier from the White Sox side, who I think could potentially be a Cubs target, is Carlos Rodon, who obviously bet on himself with a chance of the Sox, earned his way to the rotation, and has had a phenomenal year. Uh, the injuries obviously are part of his past and part of his resume as he tries to negotiate, but what kind of deal could he get on the open market? And could the Cubs be a suitor? Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly as a free agent, anybody is uh, in play. Uh, the White Sox obviously like him. They give him a $3 million guarantee off the year in which he basically didn't pitch a couple innings uh, last year. And so I wouldn't be shocked if the White Sox brought him back. Um, you know, obviously he's had some uh, things here and there. This one now here with the shoulder does not appear serious. He has been outstanding. Uh, for the team, ERA around 2.3 something uh, would be second if he had the innings to qualify. Um, he'd certainly get a good multi-year deal. I mean, I couldn't tell you the exact price. Um, you know, um, I certainly Ryu got four for one, four for 80. I don't think he'll get there, uh, but uh, he could get uh, off the top of my head, a guess of maybe three for 50, something like that. I do think he would get a qualifying offer, though. We're in a situation now where qualifying offer is still in effect, and there's probably a dozen or more players who may get it this year, had good enough years that may get that qualifying offer, which is interesting. He made $3 million this year, and they'll probably offer him a one-year deal that'll be around $19 million, uh, for next year. I would say he would likely turn it down, though. I don't like looking past what's been such a fun and just roller coaster of a season so far in September, October to come, but Obviously, the CBA thing is looming over this season and uh, set to expire entering December. How is this going to play out? And do you envision the potential of a lockout, or do you think they could find labor peace and get a deal done? Yeah, I'm worried right now. I, I don't think things are moving very quickly. I mean, it obviously came out that the MLB had to offer a, a salary floor, which it does make sense for the game. You want teams to be competitive. Uh, if teams are spending at least $100 million, you think they'd be at least able to win 60 games. I mean, we've got, we got several teams now that may not reach 60 uh, games, uh, one. Um, so, I, you know, I, that seems like a good day, day on, 
idea on the surface. It doesn't feel like the union likes it. I, you know, they weren't able to agree on anything a, a year ago. As you recall, uh, and, uh, Rob Manfred had to order them back to work. They couldn't even, they both li liked the idea of the universal DH, yet they couldn't even agree on that. So that's a bad sign. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to guarantee labor peace uh, at this point. Uh, I'm hoping for it, but uh, I don't see great signs on the horizon at the moment. I was such a nervous wreck last spring watching your every tweet as well as Rosenthal and passing. And I'm going to be the same again in November going into the winter, just hoping and praying something gets done. Um, I don't want to get that far ahead any more than that. Do you have a World Series pick? Well, my original pick was the Dodgers over the Yankees. But, you know, on MLB now, about six weeks ago, we have this game, uh, Concern, Panic, Doom. And I doomed the Yankees, uh, giving up on them. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I think I'm ineligible to continue with the Yankees at this point. So uh, I'll, I'll fill in the White Sox uh, against the uh, Dodgers. I, I'll stick with my original Dodger pick and say the White Sox. Last one here. I got to put you on the spot. I know you're a diehard Northwestern Wildcat alum and fan. How's the football team going to do this year? Oh, I mean, with Coach Fitz, we're always going to be in good hands. That's, that's as much as I know. I love I love watching the games. I, I couldn't wouldn't call myself an expert at all, but he's a terrific coach, and I'm very happy that he's so loyal. And uh, he's going to stay at Northwestern for a long time. You, there's a scoop for you. Of course, he's, he's already what he's already been there it seems like 20 years. But I think I don't. He's not going anywhere. You know, my, my first job in this was covering Northwestern with Scout.com, and he's one of the best people I've ever met in this business. He, he's so easy to root for. That program is fantastic. I, I'll be there next week for the opener. I cannot wait. I'm so excited for football All season. All right, have fun. See that team Have play. fun. Enjoy. That's awesome. I'm jealous. Here's Bird on the return. Demir Bird still on his feet across midfield. Bird will take it. Matt Nagy talked today about kind of the, the foundation of this offense and the understanding from players. And he mentioned the receivers. He's like, well, there's a lot of a lot of newer guys to that group, but they seem to be on the same page. Where's your kind of foundation and understanding of this offense, your role, and kind of the entire function? Yeah, I think, um, you know, they've coached Coach Nagy and, you know, Coach, Fer Coach Ferry has done a good job of laying, you know, what, what the expectations are, what the standards are in our, in our offense. Um, and I think, you know, A. Rob and Mooney have done a great job of helping us, helping us along and learning um, the ins and outs of this playbook and, and kind of the different type of things that you don't necessarily learn by looking at the pictures, you know, on the playbook of the plays. Um, so I think, you know, they've done a great job of helping us move along and, and kind of figure out what what we need to to do and how we uh, how we can help this offense. Well, what's A. Rob like as a teammate? Uh, he's a great teammate. You know, obviously he's been around here for a while. He's a veteran. Um, so he knows he knows the ins and outs of the game. He knows the ins and outs of the business. Um, so, you know, A-Rob is, is a great guy, and, and I, will, I will want him to be my teammate as long as possible. Does anything strike about Darnell Mooney? We hear behind the scenes just some of the stories of not just here in the building, but, you know, he gets home and he's still putting in that extra work. Like, does he strike you as kind of a different driven dude? Um, I mean, yeah, he's, he's obviously – he puts in the work, you know, and I think as a young as a young – a young guy in this league, that's what you need to do. And 
I think that's what organizations look for. And obviously, he's here for a reason. And, you know, he's had, you know, success last season for a reason. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing what he's able to do. Because obviously, he's put in the time, he's put in the work. And, uh, you know, with the confidence that he has from that work, I think he'll do great. You and Marquise in particular bring just a different level of speed to this offense. And uh, do you have a sense of how that's going to translate, what it's going to look like come game day? I mean, ideally, you know, the goal for Coach Nagy is to scheme you guys open and you get that look where you're, you know, alone out of safety over the top. Like, how's it going to look within this offense? Yeah, I mean, you know, ideally that that would be it. You know, you never know how it, how it works when it comes time of game day. But I think, you know, if we, if we can go into the season, you know, tip-top shape, you know, healthy and, and with a great understanding of what we need to do, you know, play in and play out, I think it, it can it can benefit us greatly. I think, uh, you know, with the guys that we have around us, you know, A-Rod, Mooney, as well as the run game that we have and obviously our quarterbacks, um, I think that's going to work out great. What, what led you, you know, signing later in free agency to, to come to this team? Uh, I think just the opportunity. I think, um, you know, looking at this team, there's a lot of great players on both sides of the ball, all around. Um, and being able to be with the receivers group that we have here, um, obviously we have a lot of talent. And obviously the, the run game with, with Demo and Damian and, and, you know, hopefully when Reed comes back, you know, dude, we, we have an offense that can, that can, be, that can have a lot of firepower. And, uh, you know, when everything comes together, it could be great. You spend a lot of your career with an established veteran quarterback like Cam. Uh, with Justin, I know you've worked a lot with him. Uh, what's his command like in the huddle? What kind of presence does he have, and how does he compare to, you know, just a veteran quarterback who's been there for a number of years? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's very close. You know, he, he, he has the confidence. He knows what he can do and who he can be, um, and, and we feel that in the huddle, you know, and, and as he continues to grow and learn, you know, what this game is about and, and the ins and outs of this, of this offense you know, you're going to be able to see that translate very fast. We heard the story from Coach Nagy yesterday that Justin was kind of jabbing Jimmy Graham about trying to get open on a route. And, you know, it's it, he, Nagy got a laugh out of it because he's a 22-year-old against a 12-year-old veteran. But do you have any examples of times where, you know, either Justin's kind of poked at you or something where you're like, okay, that's a rookie, right? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> we haven't had any, any run-ins yet. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we, we joke around a lot, with, you know, regardless of who it is and obviously – you know, he's younger, he's a rookie, and he's learning. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's, he's a great player. And uh, great players respect each other. And, you know, he's, he's working to be the best that he can be, so, so, so as well as everyone else. What strikes you about the way he carries himself? He seems to have the proverbial factor, like, you know, the guy who, is, the guy who just is driven to be great. Right? Do you see that kind of in him? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think you can see the, the confidence that he has. I think you can see... Everything you know that he that he can bring to the table, and I think he realizes that. And you know, when you walk around like that, then that shows everyone that that puts belief in you from everyone. Did Did you guys as teammates take notice to what he Justin last uh, Saturday said? You know, fans should be cheering for Andy. They should be backing him up just the way they do him. Did Did you hear about that, or did you take notice of that at all? I mean, I I think we all we all took notice of it. You know, it's kind of hard not to. Not to hear it while you're on the field, um, but you know that 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 goes to show who we are as a team. You know, everybody's here to compete. Everybody wants to see each other succeed, um, no matter what the circumstances is. And um, you know, for him to be a rookie and, and in this situation to be able to feel that way shows his character. 
and um, you know I think our entire team kind of feels the same way. What does Andy bring to you guys as an offense, and how does he inspire confidence in you guys as, as playmakers around him? I mean, he's a vet. And, you know, obviously his his success in this in this league has been longstanding. You know, um, so being able to do being able to do what he's done for a long time is it, no is no fluke. So you know, he's able to lead us in in different ways than Justin. He's able to play and and make plays. It's August 25th today. Did you start counting down towards September 12th? Did you start getting that itch at this point in the preseason of week one's coming soon enough? I mean, I think we all got that itch probably like four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that itch comes as soon as we get here and after the first couple couple practices are over. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. That's one. What's the mindset of this team? How would you describe it? I think, I, I think we're just – Swagger. We, we're trying to have that swagger to, to come back and, and be a team who can win games, be a team who can dominate. Um, I think, you know, I haven't been here in the past, but um, previous teams were able to do that, and uh, we want to bring that again. I wouldn't have it any other way. Your eyes in the This is Sports with Sema.